section forty eight of the inheritance by susan edmonston ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter fourteen now rest thee reader on thy bench and muse anticipative of the feast to come so shall delight not make thee feel thy toil lo i have set before thee for thyself feed now dante thornbank was situated on the side of a rapid gurgling river abounding in picturesque rocky scenery it was a meek gray autumnal day when earth borrows no tint from sky but rich in its own natural hues presents a matchless variety of colour from the wan declining green to the gorgeous crimson and orange nature's richest saddest panoply the sweet mournful song of the robin was the only sound that mingled with the murmur of the stream it was a day for musing and tender melancholy a day that came o'er the heart like a melody that sweetly played in tune trite as the reflections are which have been drawn from this solemn season and obvious as is the moral which points to the heart at witnessing the decay of the beauties and the graces of the material world still the same train of thought will naturally arise in every mind of sensibility and the same sober hue insensibly steals over the soul hues which have words and speak to ye of heaven relieved from every tormenting object gertrude sat down on a rustic seat hung round with many a drooping scentless flower and resigning herself to the soothing influence of the day and the scene she gradually sunk into those enchanting day-dreams those beautiful chimeras which a young romantic imagination can so readily create the pleasures of imagination certainly were hers but as if only to render her more susceptible to the annoyances of real life she was recalled from the illusions in which she had been indulging by sounds little in unison with the harmonious stillness that surrounded her a weak giggling laugh falling at intervals upon the ear its pauses filled by a sharp loud english tongue louder and louder still drew near and presently miss lily black leaning on the arm of a little spruce high-dressed young man appeared much surprise and joy and affection was testified by miss lilies at this meeting with her cousin and mr augustus larkins was introduced with an air of triumph and delight mr augustus larkins was what many would have called a pretty young man he had regular features very pink cheeks very black eyebrows and what was intended for a very smart expression he was studiously dressed in the reigning fashion but did not look fashionable for all that 
he had a sharp high-pitched voice and a very strong but not a pure english accent such was the future cousin to whom miss st clair was now introduced and with many flourishing bows and with much mouthing about honour pleasure and so forth on his part the ceremony was happily got over dear me cousin have you been sitting here by yourself said miss lily in a soft pitying tone what a pity we did not know and we could have come sooner you must have been so dull i did not find it so replied gertrude ah you scotch ladies are all fond of solitude cried mr larkins witness that noble apostrophe of my lady randolph's in your celebrated tragedy of douglas ye woods and wilds whose melancholy gloom accords with my soul's sadness and draws forth the tear of sorrow from my bursting heart how uncommonly well that was got up last season at drury lane you have of course been in town mem gertrude replied in the affirmative and which of the houses did you give the preference to she had not visited the theatres no sure is it possible ma'am to have been in town without seeing either of the houses how prodigiously unfortunate but with a significant smile to miss lily i hope we shall have the pleasure of showing your cousin the lions by and by in town we call it showing the lions to show the sights and shows to our country cousins oh that will be delightful won't it cousin asked the simple lily but her cousin only coloured with contempt at the idea the theatre is a favourite amusement of mine continued mr larkins and of mine too i am so fond of the playhouse said miss lily bent upon all occasions to prove the congeniality of their souls did you ever see young in romeo no i don't think i ever saw mr young act it but i once saw a mr something else i forget his name do it la i have seen young at least a dozen times in romeo it is a favourite character of mine indeed i have the whole part by heart is that possible exclaimed miss lily in tenfold admiration of her lover's perfections do let us hear you repeat some of it i'm sure my cousin would like it so much you must learn juliet and then i shall be your romeo you would make a capital juliet your hair is exactly the colour of miss o'neill's is it really how i should like if i could act juliet when i have you in liquor pond street whispered mr larkins we shall have some famous scenes that will be charming i am so fond of deep tragedies you don't dislike comedy i hope oh no i delight in comedies and farces i like farces very much too some of the after-pieces we have in town are famously good what a prodigious run midas had for instance pray goody was sung for a whole season oh pray goody is without exception the most beautiful thing i ever heard exclaimed miss lily turning up her eyes in rapture how amazingly you will be pleased with some of our pantomimes in town what a famous good thing we had last winter at covent garden called the oyster in love here miss lily giggled 
pon my soul the oyster in love was the title and to let you into a little of a secret it was composed music and all by a friend of mine oh goodness was it really do tell us all about it why the piece opens with a splendid marine view waves waves as high mem as these trees and as white as white as your gown roaring in the most natural manner imaginable two of the ladies of my party who had just returned from margate became in short perfectly seasick upon my soul i thought they'd have fainted however it was the first night and i was a friend of the author so i wouldn't have stirred to have handed the finest woman in the house oh you cruel creature cried miss lily with a giggle and what became of them oh they recovered with the assistance of smelling bottles and oranges but upon my soul i felt a little queer myself well after the waves these curly-headed monsters as shakespeare calls em had rolled backwards and forwards till upon my honour i thought they'd have been into the pit at last they retired in the most graceful manner possible leaving behind em an enormous large oyster at the foot of a rock but the beautiful thing mem was to see the stage which you know represented the beach all covered with shells and spar and seaweed you can have no conception of anything so natural oh how i should like to have seen it sighed miss lily well then there was this oyster which you'd have sworn was a real oyster but for the size lying at the bottom of the rock then enters the divine miss foot dressed as a princess with the most splendid crown upon her head all over with precious stones but looking very melancholy with her pocket-handkerchief in her hand she is attended by a troop of young damsels all very beautiful and most beautifully dressed they sing and dance a most elegant new quadrille and while they are dancing the oyster begins to move and heaves a deep sigh upon which they all take to their heels and dance off in all directions shrieking most musically in parts the princess however remains draws near the oyster contemplates it for some time clasps her hands falls upon her knees beside it while it rolls and heaves and sighs upon my honour it was quite affecting i saw several handkerchiefs out how terrified i should have been exclaimed miss lily well then the princess sings that charming song which of course you know this oyster is my world and i with love will open it she then takes a diamond bodkin from her hair and tries to open the shell no sooner has she touched it than it opens a little bit and the point of a beautiful long black beard comes out the princess in the greatest rapture drops her bodkin seizes the beard in both hands kisses it bedews it with her tears presses it to her heart and in short is in the greatest transports of joy at recognising her lover's beard good gracious was the oyster her lover cried miss lily wait and you shall hear well while she is indulging in all these graceful demonstrations of the fondest affection suddenly a sort of dragon or sea-horse starts up seizes the bodkin and disappears at the same moment the sky that is the stage becomes almost quite dark thunder and lightning ensue the sea rises with the most tremendous noise and threatens to engulf in its raging bosom the princess and the oyster how interesting exclaimed miss lily 
i never heard anything like it the sea gains upon them every moment now they are completely surrounded she raises her eyes sees the rock a sudden thought strikes her she merely stops to sing that sweet little air by that beard whose soft expression by the by that was twice encored then in the most graceful distress she begins to climb the rock how high was the rock asked miss lily why i take it not less than thirty feet high and almost quite perpendicular soft music is heard all the time she is ascending she stops when about half-way up quite exhausted then comes forward to the point of rock where she is standing which upon my soul i don't think was larger than my hand and while she stops to recover her breath sings one of your beautiful scotch songs low down in the broom he's waiting for me waiting for me my love etc looking down upon the oyster all the while there was a great row then one half of the house called encore the other go on at length she was allowed to proceed and she gains the top of the rock just as an enormous wave is on the point of overwhelming her oyster oh how dreadful wailed the sympathizing lily what should you have done there oh i'm sure i don't know well she advances close to the edge of the rock upon my soul it made me a little giddy to see her takes off her crown unbinds her hair lays down with her head hanging over the rock and her hair falls down to the very bottom of the rock where the oyster is lying goodness and her own hair of course you know a lady's wig becomes her own hair oh you are so droll with a giggle well the hair sticks to the oyster or the oyster to the hair i can't tell which and slowly rising she hoists him up and up and up you might have heard a pin drop in the house while that was going on till at last she has him on the very top of the rock then the house gave vent to its feelings and a perfect tumult of applause and admiration ensued no wonder i can't conceive how she could do it how big was the oyster why as large i suppose as a washing-tub and to pull that up with her hair did you ever hear anything like it cousin never said gertrude now tell us what was acted next then there's a fight between the dragon and a whale and the whale throws up a fine diamond oyster knife at the feet of the princess she seizes it rat tat tats upon the shell which instantly flies open with a prodigious noise and out rushes a warrior all clad in a complete suit of mother-of-pearl with a fine long black pointed beard the same he had shook out of his shell he slays the dragon the sea becomes as smooth as glass venus rises out of it in a car drawn by two doves harnessed with roses and guided by two young cupids how delightful and then i suppose they are married ah their happiness would have been very incomplete without that termination said mr larkins tenderly it must be late said miss st clair rising almost dinner-time i should suppose alas 
that love whose view is muffled still should without eyes see pathways to his will where shall we dine cried mr larkins in a theatrical manner you know of course that is out of romeo oh is it i had forgot that but it is beautiful said the complacent lily mr larkins continued to talk and spout all the way home and his fair to giggle and admire well cousin said she seizing upon gertrude as they entered the house what do you think of him is he not charming so genteel and so droll and at the same time he has so much sensibility he never travels without poetry and he plays the flute too most beautifully and he is so fond of the country he says he is to drive me out of town every sunday in his tilbury oh i wonder how bell could ever fall in love with the major he hasn't the least taste for poetry and andrew is such an ugly name don't you think i've been most fortunate in a name for it is so uncommon to meet with an augustus and i think larkin's very pretty too don't you but they were now at the drawing-room door which put a stop to miss lily's raptures and soon after dinner ended all tete-a-tetes mrs major waddell played the nabob's lady as though she had been born a nabobess she talked much and well of curry and rice and old madeira and the liver and the company which did not mean the present company but the india company her silver corners were very handsome and she had to take off some of her rings before she could carve the grouse in short nothing could be better of its kind nevertheless mrs major had her own petty chagrins as every petty mind must have nobody seemed sufficiently dazzled with the splendour which surrounded them and mr larkins had the ill-breeding to talk much of birch's turtle and tim's salmon in town at tea it was still worse like all underbred people he mistook familiarity for fashionable ease and either lounged upon her fine sofa or stood with his back to the fire at length the chaise was announced and as mrs and miss st clair took leave the gallant major presented his arm oh now major i hope you're not going to the door without your hat and at this time of night now it will make me perfectly wretched pray now major aunt cousin mr larkins for heaven's sake mrs waddell was getting hysterical and the poor major withdrawing his offered aid mr larkins advanced and oh put on your hat sighed miss lily in imitation as he boldly presented his brushed head to the evening air how sweet the moonlight sleeps upon this bank here will we sit and let the sounds of music creep in our ears spouted mr augustus as he handed the ladies into the carriage they bowed and drove off End of section forty eight